Hello, fellow Rebel Capitals. Hope you're well. So the stock market ripping higher. Closer. It's got to be close to all-time highs right now. And the GDP number just came out, and it just shocked Wall Street because it was so high. It looks like the economy is on fire. So we have to ask the question, is the recession completely canceled? I mean, let's go over to CNBC, go over some statistics, some charts, like the two-year, 10-year, the inversion of the curve. And maybe it is true. Maybe this time it's different. Maybe we should just forget about these stupid esoteric curves and just buy, 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 like Jim Cramer says. I mean, maybe you should, instead of be watching this channel, maybe you should be buying stocks. You've been listening to me for way too long and you've missed out on all these gains. And if you continue to listen to crazy people like me, you'll miss out on all of these gains that we're going to have in 2024 when the economy continues to zoom higher on all eight cylinders. The economy is booming right now. And if you continue to listen to the fear mongers like George Gammon, then you're going to miss out on the entire ride higher. Have fun staying poor, or maybe not. Let's go over the data and check things out. So first and foremost, CNBC, the U.S. economy grew at a blistering. Oh, I mean, they're just coming up with new adjectives to describe <laughs> how astonishing our economy is right now. I mean, everyone's getting rich. In fact, I've read so many articles from people like Krugman or the New York Times when they say that this is all just fake news. What's happening is the, the far-right extremists are trying to use propaganda to convince people that the economy is doing poorly. When in reality, they're, they're, you're just getting rich. Don't you know this? Your purchasing power is increasing every single year. No, no, no. Every single month, every single week, every single day, you're getting richer. And you're just too stupid to know it. So I don't care if you can't pay rent. I don't care if you can't put food on the table. Don't, 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 don't give me those excuses. No, you just don't realize that you're getting rich. <laughs> As you can't afford food. <laughs> Oh, geez. Okay, back to the article. U.S. economy grew to blistering. Whew, just It's not even red hot. It's just white hot. <laughs> Pace in Q4 while inflation pulled back. Now, just so you know, the way they measure GDP is it gets very complex. And that's really something I should say for a whiteboard video. But 3.3 isn't necessarily how much the economy grew in 2024. It's just the Q4 number annualized. So I, I just wanted to state that because I think a lot of people look at this and say, oh, 3.3 growth. No, it's actually 2.5. When you look at the BEA, and that's in real terms, 2.5 the whole year, 2023. So key talking points, GDP and measure good services produced in, well, not really produced, but purchased, <laughs> increased. Most of those are produced in China. Uh, increased at a 3.3% annualized rate in the fourth quarter. There you go, just like we were saying. Wall Street had been looking for 2%. So, I mean, this is a blowout number. The U.S. economy for all of 2023 accelerated at 2.5 annualized pace. Again, just like we were saying. I actually didn't read these uh, <laughs> key talking points. <laughs> or I wouldn't have started with that. Okay, strong pace, consumer spending. Yes, it's all about consumer spending and going into further debt. We know that's what creates a, a really rock solid economy is just going further into debt to buy stuff you don't need. They're also 
was progress in inflation. That's right. Core inflation coming down. No landing. Soft landing. Hello. This is perfect. That's going to be able to lower rates right back down to 1% because inflation is coming down just like the Fed engineered. And therefore, when they start lowering rates, stock market's going to go even higher than it already is. And think about this. We're at 3.3% GDP growth. And that is with the Fed on the break. You can't see it, but I'm actually pushing the brake with my right foot here. <laughs> the Fed's got their foot on the brake, Jerome Powell. So think what would happen if he took off the his, uh, took his foot off the brake and pushed down the accelerator. Oh my God. I mean, we are talking about five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent GDP growth. I mean, this is going to be amazing. Or, or maybe not, but <laughs> we'll roll with that narrative for the time being. And here we go. You can see this chart. And just, I mean, forget about this, uh, these negative numbers. Remember, that, that wasn't really a recession. It was just, uh, it was just negative GDP growth. <laughs> Nothing to see here. So now, I mean, that's pretty much the gist of it. They just go on to say how amazing the economy is, how amazing the job market is, yada, yada, yada. And of course, they don't say anything about the yield curve. So let's go over there right now and check out the two-year, which is at 4.35%. Now, remember, just the other week, the two-year treasury plunged from about 4.25 all the way down to 4.1, while the 10-year treasury did go down, but it didn't go down as much. What that means is it's a bull steepener because the curve is starting to uh, uninvert but it's uninverting by the two-year or the front end of the curve going down faster than the long end of the curve. And that's what you would expect if we were headed for a hard landing, not a soft landing or no landing, see? But what we're going to get into is the mechanics behind interest rates because we talk about it all the time. I'm sure you guys have heard on Twitter or on YouTube that when you look at the inversion of the curve, a long end here, it's all about future growth and inflation expectations. And you kind of think that through and say, okay, well, if the curve's inverted, then that means the bond market, uh, the financial insiders, as I call them, they are betting uh, because they have this information that we don't have or we don't have access to. Uh, they're betting that uh, we're headed for a hard landing. Therefore, they're buying the long end of the curve for the capital gains for the appreciation, or just simply to hedge out the long position in their book. Or, you know, they're a corporate CEO. Uh, Josh was uh, talking to me about Hugh and Snyder the other day having this conversation where Hugh was talking about his idea of why the curve inverts. But it's pretty much the exact same thing that we say all the time. It's whether it's a corporate CEO, whether it's Paul Tudor Jones, whether it's Stan Druckenmiller, it, it's someone that has access to information that the street or the retail investors don't have. And if that information or that data is negative, this prompts them to go out and buy the long end of the curve, which makes it invert while the Fed's bringing up the front end. Okay. Anyway, back to the two-year here, 4.35. So what is the 10-year? Well, the 10-year is at 4.15. So you got about a 20 basis point delta. The curve is pretty much staying the exact same. Now, it was down here. Now we're up here as far as interest rates, but the difference between the two is pretty much the same. So we have not yet had a uh, a bear steepening. In fact, if anything, we're still seeing this bull steepener stick, which remember, bear steepener means good for the economy. If if long-term interest rates are going up faster than short-term interest rates, that's that's good. That that would mean that this time 
it's most likely different. When we see the front end going down fast and the long end, that is bad. When we're looking at it in terms of the overall economy. So then the question becomes why, George? You, you kind of get the concept behind the idea. And you've probably heard me talk a few times about the Fisher equation or Irving Fisher going back to the 1930s and his idea of interest rates. But that's kind of where it stops. But what we should do is take that to its logical conclusion, actually think through the bond market through the lens of the Fisher equation. And then I can assure you, everything is going to be crystal clear. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Jason Hartman, real estate, and Brent Johnson with Macroeconomics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Let me show you what I'm referring to. First and foremost, for those of you who don't know, here's the Fisher equation. It's actually very, very simple, right? And, and most of you know this intuitively. It's just nominal interest rates equal inflation plus real interest rates or real interest rates equal nominal interest rates minus inflation. Everybody knows that. So if you have nominal interest rates at 5% and inflation is at 3%, okay, well, real rates are 2%. Again, you don't really need an equation to know this. It's intuitive. But believe it or not, this is probably the first time I've ever said this in my life, this equation, um, an economic model, <laughs> is actually really important to understand. Let's look at it this way, too, just to make sure we're all on the same page. So you got real interest rates right here to simply equal nominal interest rates minus inflation, or you could switch it around. Uh, I'm not very good at math, but I think if you move these nominal rates over to this side of the equation and move the real interest rates to that side of the equation, you would turn this minus into a plus sign. Uh, that's about as uh, extensive as I get when it comes to math formulas. <laughs> so correct me if I'm wrong. But again, I know I'm right because just conceptually it makes sense. So uh, what we're going to do now is go over to the whiteboard and kind of think through this equation in terms of the real world and in terms of what financial players are incentivized to do. What's driving this? What is their motivation? Because really all we see, all the yield curve is, is an expression of people placing bets and people just the market, right? It's just, it's just kind of a signal. It's, it's their data points telling you what market participants are doing. So then we got to ask, well, why are they doing this, right? So we get back to the whiteboard and we've got nominal interest rates equal real interest rates plus inflation. Now, another way to look at these real interest rates are simply growth, right? 
it, it's growth. Because if you look at GDP as an example, when you strip, when you, you start with nominal GDP and you strip out the price increases, that would be inflation. And when you strip out the, the price uh, increases, then what are you left with? You're basically left with growth, right? So we can look, another way to look at real rates is just growth in terms of the Fisher equation. Okay, cool. So let's add some numbers in here. Let's just assume for a moment that nominal interest rates are around 6% and inflation is around 1%. Okay, well, that means that real interest rates or growth would be 5% roughly. And very, very simple, makes sense. But what we have to understand, we got two keys here. The first key that we have to remember is that if you are an investor, if you're a bank lending money, if you're Stan Druckenmiller, something like that, if you're a hedge fund manager, or if you're just lending money to your best friend, you want a return on that money that compensates you for the risk that you're taking. You'd like a little bit of profit in there as well, above and beyond the risk, but you have to take into consideration future inflation expectations because you want to you don't want to just be paid back plus interest. No, no, no. The whole point here is to lend that money so when you get it back, not that you have a bigger number in your bank account, but you have more purchasing power, right? If you if it's not about purchasing power or increasing the purchasing power, then no one would lend money. No one would buy a stock. No one would buy an equity. It's all about return on investment. But it's not nominal gains, it's real gains. You want to increase the amount of stuff that you can buy with what you started with. Okay. And what we have to understand is this, what, what I call like a risk premium, is going to be not only risk, and you can see it's uh, below this word. I've got minimum here. We're going to get to that in a second. But you've got risk, your cost. So let's think about this through the lens of a bank. If a bank is extending a loan, if they're creating more currency units to lend you whatever, $500,000. Okay, now they're crediting your account with 500,000 currency units that didn't exist before. But that's not cost-free. So as far as creating the currency unit, yeah, there's no cost to that. They just simply keystrokes. But as far as maintaining your account, well, there's a cost to that. Because you're going to call and you're going to have to transfer the 500,000. And then you're going to have to, or maybe you keep the 500,000 in your account for a while and do all these things and you got to pay you interest. There's a cost to those currency units that were just created. It's not zero, okay? Now they've got risk there as well that you're not going to pay them back in, in addition to inflation. And they're going to want to increase their purchasing power. So there's going to need to be a profit as well. So let's just assume for a moment that all of this uh, risk, cost, profit equals about 4%. That's our, our premium, if you will. Okay, now let's look at this through the lens of the Fisher equation, assuming that nominal interest rates are interest rates that the bank is going to be willing to lend at, or maybe interest rates a hedge fund manager, Stan Druckenmiller is able, you know, they're willing to lend at because the risk reward makes sense. Or even what you're willing to lend your good buddy $1,000 for three years. What, you're, what interest rate are you willing to lend him money? It's got to be an interest rate that takes into consideration the risk, the cost, how much purchasing power you want to add, and it's got to take into consideration inflation. Okay, so let's just assume for a moment that this number is not zero, which of course it's not. Let's just assume for a moment that it's 4%. So that's the premium that I'm talking about. Okay, well, 
if, let's go back to our original equation, if growth is 5%, if inflation is 1%, that gives us 6% nominal, but that doesn't include this premium that we need as an incentive to lend in the first place. In order to lend, now we need rates, not at 6%, but at 10%, you see? So now let's assume for a moment that interest rates are not 10%. Now let's assume they're right around 4%. Looking at the 10-year treasury, I'm just using it as a proxy. Pretty much 4%, close, excuse me, to where they are today. So understanding everything that we've gone over, the need for this 4% premium, what would that tell you about future growth and inflation expectations if a bank, Jamie Dimon, Stan Druckenmiller, one of these financial insiders is willing to lend at 4% or close to this, right? That would tell you that growth and inflation, what they see in the future for 20, not George Gammon. No, 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 no. Not, not, you know, some fear monger on YouTube, not some tinfoil hatter like me. No, no, no. This is the economic insiders. I, I, this is not a message coming from George Gammon, like I said, okay? This is them telling you through their actions that you can read based on price, the price of money, that they see future growth and inflation expectations at zero, at zero. So if, if the economy was booming, if they thought the, well, let me take that back. If they thought the economy was going to continue to boom over the next year, two years, three years, they would not be willing to lend money at 4%. They would be willing to lend it at 10%. You see, George, well, what if there's no opportunities to lend? Fine. Then they're not going to lend it out. They're going to buy equity. You see, because if growth is supposed to be so much better in the future, and if, let's say, the 10-year treasury was still trading at 4%, no one would buy the 10-year treasury. If you thought growth was going to be at, let's say, 10%, no, you wouldn't lend money. You'd buy equity because you want to participate in that 10%, especially when your alternative is 4%. The risk reward is way better with the equity than it is the debt, you see? But the fact that all these insiders are buying, not not just lending money, but they're lending money to the government at 4%, tells you that A, they see future growth inflation expectations, given this model, at zero, but additionally, that they're not even willing to lend into the real economy, that the only place they're willing to lend or the only entity they're willing to lend to is the U.S. government. Why? Because it has the lowest amount of risk possible. This is why when I'm talking about the curve, this is why I always say it's all about growth, inflation, expectations. This is just kind of connecting the dots here, you see? So once you look at interest rates and the signal they're giving you, It's not just about a curve that looks like this or like this or like this. No, 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 no. It's the, 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 the individual prices, which is what interest rates are, the price of money. The individual prices, when you put them together, they're, they're screaming at you. It's not just a signal. They're screaming at you. They're giving you all of this incredible, incredible, not just information, but insider information. So what you have to do is ask yourself, Who are you? Forget George Gammon. I'm completely irrelevant. I'm just a messenger here. You've got to ask yourself, who do you believe? Who do you think is right? Is it the retail investor that's buying the S&P 500? Or is it the insider, financial insider, that has been right every single time 
going back to 1950 that's buying the bond market. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism. You want to check out Rebel Capitalist Live. That is the conference that I've got with guys like Snyder, uh, Barnes, Robert Barnes is going to be there, Mike Green. You can check it out at Rebel Capitalist Live and get your tickets there. As always, we'll see you in the next video.